Hello, movie podcast fans. Uh, welcome to a introductory video for this week's best movie podcast ever. Uh, you'll notice this is recorded a few days after us actually recording it if you're watching the video because I'm wearing a different shirt. Uh, unfortunately, this is just to say we had some problems with Anthony's audio in the recording of this week's episode, so uh, you may find that it sounds a bit blown out and a bit grainy in some places. Uh, sorry about that. It should be back to normal next week uh, and hopefully it doesn't impact your listening experience too much this time around. But it's still great content, so we hope you enjoy it. Check out the show. Thursday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever, the only movie podcast which offers objective, hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, and with me as always is walking here. It's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, good night. That was a, that's a great one. That was He's my. I, I, I saw um, I saw a video on Twitter of. I've forgotten the other guy's name in it now, but Dustin Hoffman and the other guy from Ishtar doing an interview, like on the promo tour for that, like the press junket for that movie, <laughs> and it put me in a Dustin Hoffman kind of mood. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put some Midnight Cowboy in the beginning of this. Do you know um, uh, that actually is gonna come back later? That that quote. Uh, we'll just say that. Oh wow. Okay, maybe I've been preaching. I did not. Uh, that's a cold shot, folks. I did not know that was coming. Um, <laughs> welcome. If you never joined us before, uh, it's going to be a movie diary this week where Anthony and I talk about all the movies we've seen since the last time we did one of these, which was last week. So it'll be a handful. Um, thank you for checking us out. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, you probably already know this, but please subscribe to us on YouTube at the Culture Cave or uh, on podcasting apps. We're the best movie podcast ever. Give the video a like. Get involved in the comments. Share the show with your friends. But other than that, I say it's time to talk about some movies. Let's do it. Movies. We've all heard about them. We're here to talk about them. Let's get right into it. I mean, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I confessed this to Anthony before the stream. I'm riding high on the sugar wave of a pano chocolat, which I consumed. <laughs> pano not, chocolat. Not, not 30 minutes ago. So you, you call, you're like you, dear listener and viewer, will see my energy levels just slowly drop down as the sugar rush wears off. But let's ride this wave into the fucking ground. Um, oh, so, can't wait. So. What kind of stuff did you watch this week? Give me a general sense. A general sense. Well, I, I, two rewatches on my part and one new one. Mm. Um, two of them were Oscar Oscar nominees, if not winners. Okay. Uh, and the other one was a spy comedy that was all right that starred a wrestler. All right, I'm trying to think what that was. I might know what film that is. I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to hearing about <laughs> you, it. I'm sure you heard about it. Um, I might have seen it. We'll see. Let's see. Um, <laughs> mine. I'm. I'm gonna. Le- I'm gonna front load this episode by saying mm-hmm. I had a terrible week for movies this week. There were <laughs> three. Well, there was two bang average movies. One that was pretty good, and one that was fucking shocking. So unfortunately, <laughs> if this is the first time listening to this, please don't take this as a reflection of how I feel about all movies. Normally, I'm very positive, but it's a bad week this week. So why don't we start things off positively, and you you lead the way with something that you that hopefully you enjoyed. Okay, so we can start something off posit- positively. Now, I could go for a film that I absolutely love, which I rewatched, and I could—that's all positive, all positive. But I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'm going to—I'm going to focus on a film which I used to be negative about, 
and maybe I've changed my mind a little bit. Oh, evolution. That's what we like to see here on the best yeah. movie podcast ever. It isn't evolution, starring uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stifler. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Sean William Scott, and I sure. believe uh, David Duchovny is in that yeah, movie yeah, as he well, is. if I'm not he mistaken. Is. Yeah, it is not evolution. Although that is a fantastic film uh, from my from my childhood. Uh, I, I haven't watched that since I was an adult, so I don't even know that that is an inappropriate Anthony childhood film. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not convinced that holds up to modern scrutiny. To be honest, that movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. So it is actually uh, 2013's Gravity by Alfonso Cuarón. Ah, uh, very good. Yeah, so I rewatched Gravity. Uh, I, I'd only seen Gravity once before, um, and it's obviously uh, a story of two astronauts who are sort of stuck out in in space in low mm. orbit, uh, next near the International Space Station, when a cloud of debris or uh, a sort of an area of debris comes through and ruins their spaceship. Apparently, they... a real phenomena as well. That I, I wasn't yeah. aware of it, but like the the, the because we've been firing stuff into space for you know the best part of half a century now apparently there is a lot of debris just whipping around yeah um, in low orbit now yeah and they have to take it into account when they send rockets up and things yeah. so um so yeah it, it it's it's not a problem if you're not at the same uh same altitude but if you are that's a problem so basically the reason why i used to be cold on this film is for two reasons the first reason is when i first saw it um i i went into it uh I was I was doing actually I, I was doing my uh, teaching certificate. Uh, so this is around the time I met met you, Conrad, yeah. and um, and I went to it with our with our mutual friend. He went. He was a um, mathematics student yeah. doing a master's at Imperial College London, and I went with him to the Imperial College London cinema to see this. Yeah. And so I met a lot of his like course mates there, and they, they, all these mathematicians were there. And I'm a mathematician myself, but they were all there, and they were talking about how much this is going to be scientifically accurate. Yeah. And, oh, and, right. there's a couple of bits in this that I bet they. Did did not like as a lot around the around this the, the release of this film everyone was talking even like articles were talking about this was a really scientific accurate film yeah let me just say there's a difference between scientific accuracy and like it being realistic yeah yeah, there's I, a I, difference. I, yeah, there definitely is. Okay, so you first start watching the film. They're, they're out working on, on on the space station. I've had months of this film being uh, brought up as scientifically accurate in my mind, and I sit down to watch it. The first thing I see is George Clooney buzzing about the little <laughs> a little jetpack on, singing to Johnny Cash or whatever. The fuck yeah, listen, listening, listening to Johnny Cash or whatever. Yeah. Out on a spacewalk, pres- spacewalk, presumably with no mission. Like the rest, the other two are actually doing something. He's just zooming about, he's just hanging like, out. Yeah, he's, he's just he's hanging just, out, you know, talking about the like Sandra Bullock's blue eyes like, flirting with her, like cool hand Luke in space, just like yeah. Ah, so th- what's going on? To be honest with you, that started me off on the wrong foot yeah. altogether with this yeah. film. The other part is I'm not going to mention it, but there's there's a part later on in the film, which I think you I- can probably mention it. I reckon you can get away with mentioning it. Okay, okay. So there's a part later on in the film where George Clooney's character makes a reappearance. We'll say, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. And and, uh, and and for me, it's it, it's a it's a moment where the main character Sandra Bullock gets a piece of information from George Clooney's reappearance, mm. and she wouldn't have otherwise known that information. Yeah. Um. And it's and it's very easy to put that put that across as oh, okay, well that's just her realizing it subconsciously or that sort of thing. At the time when I first saw it, I don't know why that really didn't sit well with me. I I didn't I just thought it was a cop out in storytelling. To be honest yeah, with you, I I think um, 
my I I I go I'm a bit hot and cold on Alfonso Cuarón. I think um he he when I think of distracting one takes he's the director i think of because a lot of his one takes feel very very self-congratulatory mm-hmm. like i can almost feel people being like check out this shot check out this shot every time yeah, it's happening yeah, yeah. and they are technically amazing don't get me wrong like the beginning of gravity i think is his best one yeah ironically i think it's his least technically impressive because obviously there's so much green screen green. Work yeah, going yeah. On. um but uh, i think it's the best one because you can like it really it utilizes the 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 kind of inherent value of a one shot to really increase the tension without breaking without breaking the uh, sort of, uh, the continuity of the scene. Yeah. Um, but um, he, in a lot of his movies, I feel like he kind of falls back on very very like stereotypical story beats. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe it, to a certain extent, maybe it's the fault of the, the screenplays that he chooses to work with. But yeah, the the the, the George Clooney spirit guide moment. And yeah. the firing yourself across uh, space with a fire extinguisher moment are two of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a space movie, and and I wouldn't mind them if the rest of the movie wasn't so insistent upon being realistic. But um... that's that's the thing. See, at the moment in in The Martian with Matt Damon, the moment where he cuts his uh, spacesuit and flies through through the space, yeah. I'm like, this film. It fits that film, yeah. and it, and that, and that moment is deserved. Whereas, yeah, when she, when it's when it's all been, it's like a character study of this one character. A lot of this movie, and it's like building, and it's building it in as like realistic, and they're trying to be realistic. They have, it's like completely modern day space technology and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. And then to to rely on such obvious beats, as well as that, like this, I know I really like, but. Having said that, like it is very obvious at the same time, but I do really like all of the, sim- the symbolism into like sort of um, the gestation of a baby in the womb yeah. and then being born and like the, at the end when the water comes into the capsule with the wa- water breaking. Like I like all that, but again, it's very obvious. It's it's actually it's not it's not done with any uh, light hand at all. Um, but it is better than I remember. I will say, I will yeah. say, I enjoyed it more than I remember. I enjoyed it more than I remember. The fact that I've had maybe se- seven or eight years now to stew on that uh, Mufasa moment um i i was able to sort of get over that and appreciate it more for what it was also i remember george clooney's character leaving the film a lot earlier it actually he's actually around for a good 30 40 minutes before he eventually goes so i I did like i did like that we saw more of him there at the start but and also i went into it knowing what it was this time yeah Um, i think that i think that that's possibly the movie sets out it's still in the wrong way and that rub- yeah. i mean to be honest i liked it the first time i saw it but i was the same with you where i was kind of like okay Quran uh, does like visual metaphor and symbolism really really well like he can he but mm-hmm. the, i don't think the metaphor that he's discussing with the movie is particularly complex it's no you know this woman is being reborn through you know the the, the this this arduous process that she's going mm-hmm. through and she's just you know rediscovering her relationship with her daughter uh yeah. and like learning you know what that means to her and how much she actually cares about it um and it's you know it, it, it's a it's a functional metaphor and it works perfectly for for the purposes of like what is kind of a schmaltzy kind of action movie but i, I think mm-hmm. the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is kind of like you've said when the movie 
kind of has ideas above its station of being like you know it's super realistic we're doing new stuff here man it's like you're not like you know no one no one's going to criticize independence day when they upload a virus to the mother computer with a with a windows computer because independence day is a stupid movie and it doesn't pretend to be anything (laughs) else but like when when a movie is like yeah but check this out bro and then and then and then then falls back on sandra bullock using a fire extinguisher to fire herself across space while in orbit of another planet it's like yeah yeah there are mathematicians who have to study for 30 years to get these kind of calculations right on things that are the size of like tower blocks and you're just going to do it with a fire extinguisher and eyeballing the port of the thing you're trying to get to no Sandra Bullock is what I say to you exactly but I will say that the, like the, the tension that's there in space films when they are you are cut adrift like that's sort of it's like it's almost like the uh the, the huge musical note in a horror film it's yeah. gonna like the tension is always there of being cut adrift in space it's the same like for me anyway whenever i'm out on the open sea in a, in a on a ferry or in a boat i have the same fear of falling into the water like being cut adrift from yeah. humanity uh in the water or, or in space ha- has an inbuilt tension which i think this type of film has all the time so yeah. Maybe that was carrying a lot of the weight as well. But yeah, that's gravity. I feel better than I used to. I still wouldn't say that... I don't personally still think it was deserving of all the praise it got. But I think... I'm at the point now where I can say to myself without thinking I'm lying, it's a good film. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I enjoyed it. I'm just in a punchy mood today, so I'm just honing in on the negatives. But um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah I, I think I stand. I would stand with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to go into the best of the bunch for the movies I watched this week. Um, and when I tell you that this is far and away the favourite movie of mine this week, it will give you an idea of the kind of quality for the rest of the movies. Um, this is 1986's Chopping Mall. Uh, <laughs> Chopping Mall? <laughs> Chopping Mall. So I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll set the stage for you, dear listeners, and Anthony as well. <laughs> Imagine that there's, there's a mall, right? And they want to make... I didn't look up the state, but they basically want to make this mall the most secure mall in like the Pennsylvania area or something like that. What's the solution? You guessed it. They're going to put robot guards in the mall. Uh, they're controlled by a computer on top of the roof, and they're these little kind of like they're on like treadmill. Uh, what they called like tank treads, uh, yeah. and they have like lasers and claws and stuff like that. And they're they're basically the the whole premise is that um, at some point, wouldn't you know it, the computer on the roof gets struck by lightning, the robots go insane, and the teens, the unassuming teens, who are having a party after hours in the mattress store in the in the in the shopping mall. Did they stay after? Did they hide they, on the, they stayed hide after on hours. Hide oh, on yeah, the beds. They, yeah. they, brought, they brought like three three guys and three girls, they brought their girlfriends in to have a party <laughs> with some booze in the mattress store after hours. They get locked in with the murderous robots. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and um and it's just the dumbest thing I've seen in a while. It's a this movie is pretty good like i mean not not in any kind of not in any technical sense I'll yeah, say. Not, not, yeah yeah not in <laughs> any way you would hear a different podcast saying that it was good but no but <laughs> i i love movies like i like movies like this that just have no illusion talking this is kind of like the other end of the spectrum in some ways from gravity like this movie has is under no illusions about what it is it's <laughs> yeah. just like you know what we're gonna be a movie where some teens get killed, um, and and in interesting ways, and and that's basically that's basically all there is to uh, to show for it. Um, but there are some great lines in it. I've got them written down here just because I knew people would want to ask. Oh, I'm so looking there, forward to these. There's a bit in the movie after after a couple of like so there, there's like some I don't know why, but 
they're wearing like lab coats. I guess they're scientists. They're like monitoring the robots. Um, yeah, yeah. lab coats mean scientists, hundred yeah, so percent. So they're probably scientists. Um, but they don't notice the robots sneak up on them. They kill them. So they're the first ones to go. Uh, spoilers for Shopping Mall for those who want to see it. But I mean, those guys were obviously going to go first. Um, but eventually, it gets down to the three guys and their three girlfriends, uh, and they have to defend themselves. So they go to a sporting goods store uh, called Peckinpah's, which is obviously a reference that some of our listeners will enjoy. Is reference to Sam Peckinpah because they're about to go and get a bunch of guns like uh, and, and do a wild bunch um, and they come out of Peckinpah's and they're all like tooled up they've got like shotguns and M4s and one of them just has a 44 Magnum and a tank of propane which is, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean it comes in handy I'm not going to say how but it's just really funny seeing all of them like they're all like geared up and then one of them's just holding a tank of propane like this will come in handy. Don't worry about this. Um, and the who the guy who I thought was the lead, but spoilers, he does not turn out to be the lead. Uh, he, he he ends up dying in a hilarious way by crashing a kind of golf cart into one of the robots. It explodes, and then it cuts to a wide shot of the of the the golf cart exploding, and his body, which is clearly a dummy that is not him, on the floor, like in the foreground, just like bursts into flame. Uh, but when when they turn up with guns, he he utters the immortal line, "Let's send those fuckers." a Rambo-gram. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Is this, is this uh, the Patrick Swayze lookalike? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, what a hunk. Absolute <laughs> yeah. hunk. That feathered 80s hair. That was a look that I wish would come back. Um, That's like but, what my, son, my son's hair is like that, because he's, oh, cur- he's got curly hair, and his oh, fringe hasn't come in yet, so he's, uh, pro- he's properly got the mullet going on. That, that quaffered look. Yeah, I'm, ve- I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of that. Um, it also what, the features um, a moment which made me absolutely burst out laughing, which is uh, one of the uh, few surviving female characters... Um, is is like being comforted at one point after a lot of characters have died um and she tearfully and without a shred of irony utters the line i guess i'm just not used to being chased around a mall in the middle of the night by killer robots which is just, <laughs> it's just great stuff it is great stuff so yeah i mean well, it, it does that's... what it says on the tin 1986 is shopping mall if you're in the mood for something really stupid that's a good movie i enjoyed it very much that that sounds unbelievable and i'm looking <laughs> at the i'm looking at the poster here and the, like let's let's just say listeners the the, the title is written in blood oh yeah <laughs> that, that's all we need to know like yeah. there's gonna be blood I, I am I, I love the fact that they go into a sporting goods store and they come out with guns can, can you imagine making this film in like in the uk or ireland it's like you go into the store it's like what do we like? Get a cricket bat? Get, well, yeah, you get Shaun the Dead. Basically, you'd have to get a cricket bat and make yeah. do. Essentially, yeah. Exactly. Um, Actually, when you said it was called Chopping Mall, I did. I assumed this was going to be a zombies in a mall film. No, I mean, I think it was. It like the the yeah the, the title card is like a severed hand uh, holding like a, a gift bag with a severed head in peeking out from a hole in the bag. Um, so I mean, it is. It does feel like it's trying to cash in on that. Uh, I guess this would be like Dawn of the Dead, or actually it's later than Dawn of the Dead. It would almost be Day of the Dead era um, kind of schlock. But it's great stuff. I'm, I miss when horror movies were like this, to be honest. it's uh, it's This is right up my alley. These days, actually, a lot of horror movies are just the same the same sort of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? You don't. You don't really get. You don't really get just someone going out on a limb and making something completely different. I, I suppose. Uh, 
what it was still very similar, but it was the quiet a quiet place was 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 a little bit of a different style. Yeah, I, I think that a quiet place was quite was quite serious. Like, I really liked. Yeah, quiet very place. serious. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's like schlock. The problem that with with modern horror movies that I have is that schlock. So the stuff that was really cheesy and really tacky, and mm. it was basically like we're gonna get some we're gonna get some nudity, we're gonna get some good kills, and that's gonna be all this, and it's gonna be a ludicrous concept that has kind of been appropriated by the like Sharknado and uh, Megalodon yeah. versus killer croc or whatever like they kind of got in on the joke in a way that i really don't find funny anymore because they're like deliberately making them badly whereas this this I, they weren't trying to make a bad movie with this they just did and that's what makes it so that's what makes <laughs> yeah. it so good um yeah. but yeah I, I miss movies like this i mean they're still they're still here obviously but it was good fun yeah that's i i actually want to watch that now that sounds hilarious <laughs> all right, right you wanna, okay. do you want are you ready to go for a double yet or you want to wait till later for your double a du- a, a, so what kind of double are we talking? Because no, I've only got three, whereas you got four. So oh, you... that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. I tell you what. Give me. Give me. Let no. Let me do one more, and then okay. you do your double. Um, no, no, no. Hot... You have to do. You have to do a double. Oh yeah, that's right. That's how maths works. <laughs> expo- expose the listeners. We should have like a little to the tune that plays every time the maths goes over your head. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's. <laughs> like, I'll do. Yeah. That's right. Maths. Um, I'm a man of words. All right, uh, I'll, I'll do the other one that I thought was okay this week, and I might piss some people off with this opinion. To be honest, um, this was the first time I s- I've ever seen this movie. Um, it passed me by when it came out, and it's become like one of those movies that everyone loves. Uh, and I feel kind of bad for the fact that I only thought it was okay. That's 2004's Mean Girls, um, which okay, it released on Netflix in the UK um, this week, I think, or the week before, um, and it wasn't bad. Like it was, it was funny enough. I, I just it just didn't grab me in the same way that a lot of movies from maybe slightly earlier in in like the kind of late nineties and early two thousands grabbed me. So you know it it didn't have that same kind of hold as I don't know Clueless or Ten Things I Hate. About I YouTube. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and go say on. that you watched it at the wrong time in your life. Yeah, I, 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 it might be that. I think Mean Girls is is one of those films where you have to be in school or in uni. Or in that sort of atmosphere where you like you watch it and, and everyone goes in and quotes it for three months, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you don't even go like here, an like man or something like that. Yeah, like it it is a film which which breeds quotes and yeah. like it's it's like yeah like Step Brothers or like something like that. You need you need to have I think you need to have that sort of couple of months of everyone's just using <laughs> the same quote over and over again. That's the sort of film this is for me. Yeah. I have very fond memories of it for that reason, but uh, I can understand why watching it as like a man in your thirties with like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you just like I yeah, like, push down my nose, just like well, yeah, like it, like it's pretty funny, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I understand. <laughs> yeah, I think nostalgia. Like, I mean, it's not to, to be clear, it's not a bad movie. Like, I thought it was pretty good, but I was kind of going in expecting this to be like how I feel about Clueless or um, Ten Things I Hate About You or like other. I mean, it's not even really a rom com, so it's not really fair to kind of compare it. It's to just an out. Yeah, comedy yeah it's just a comedy really um, written by tina fey yeah yeah and, and like tina fey does a lot of good work in this actually like she she gets a lot of the a lot of the best laughs um and i think rachel mcadams is great as well mm-hmm. in this like she is one of the standout uh actresses and characters but um yeah it was a good time but i found it a little bit unremarkable or, or I, I feel like i'd needed that nostalgia to really hit me um the way that that this this seemed to hit other people back in 2004 
Yeah, I, I would say that looking back on it now, I have nostalgia for the film because of that. But I, I don't think it was funny at the time for nostalgic reasons. I think it was funny oh, at the yeah, time yeah. because it bred quotes. Yeah. It's one of those. It's like one of those films that breeds quotes in a, in a friend group, and then you know. <laughs> I'm still waiting for uh, the kids to get back on board the Ace Ventura train, so I can. Uh... Oh yeah, I, I love <laughs> I love Ace Ventura. I haven't watched those movies in. A solid 20 years but i still occasionally will think about the bit where he does the slinky down the temple <laughs> that bit is that joke is still funny i think like <laughs> it's oh, incredible it's just, it's just so good the yeah. man came out of a rhinoceros's butthole <laughs> like you, you can't write that it's gold yeah, it's comedy gold uh, I, I yeah i don't i don't go back to them for fear that i don't like them anymore but they hold a very special place in my heart those movies and maybe that, that's the same for for mean girls for people slightly younger than me maybe i just said you can't write that yeah uh, now i'm just gonna take a little <laughs> take a little that. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a little bit of a tangent here, right? Because we're we're both we're both sports fans. Uh, did you ever do you chuckle into yourself every time uh, like a football commentator like when a, say a team like w- comes from behind and wins the league or whatever? If a, co- a commentator goes, you couldn't write this, you know? Do you, <laughs> do you, you chuckle into yourself? Can. Like really, really? I just watched a film about a, a, a robot that went back in time and like yeah. eventually turned into a good guy. Like I think you can write yeah. this. You clearly haven't seen Remember the Titans because like that's literally the. <laughs> lot of a lot of those kind of sporting <laughs> dramas my my favorite um very very tangentially related uh like movie thing that gets quoted in sport a lot is when a uh, a minnow or an underdog beats um beats like the the, the favorite and, and the commentators will always go they haven't read the script at all today and it's just like, <laughs> it's great stuff uh it's one of my favorite where, where sport and film meet that's where that's my that's my wheelhouse I will say, as an Australian, now this is a real tangent. We'll get back on. We'll get back on the movies in a minute, guys. But as an Australian, moving over when I was twelve, and then started uh, watching, like when I moved to Northern Ireland, there was a, obviously we still have the UK TV, so I'm watching a lot of the English um, commentators and English uh, pundits in cricket and football and stuff. And I'm watching, like especially the cricket in the Ashes when they're versing Australia, and yeah. I'm watch and I'm watching these guys, these English pundits, and they were absolute dickheads like i just couldn't get <laughs> i couldn't get over how biased they were yeah, towards that's england that's, a, that's, a, that's traditional <laughs> you, like you, I, if england are ever losing in any kind of sporting event the halftime <laughs> show is the commentators unilaterally agreeing that the other side are cheating in some way <laughs> It's absolutely great. Like I was watching recently, one of the one of the commentators going on off about like this referee couldn't do this, and I'm like, yeah, but last week you were arguing the opposite. You're just as bad, mate. All right. <laughs> Movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Mean Girls. It's a pretty good movie. It's the first time I've seen it. I think it. I. I, I was slightly underwhelmed by it, but maybe I watched it at the wrong time in my life. Anthony, hit hit us with one. Bring us okay. back in. Bring bring us back to to the the golden land of good movies, if possible. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to stick stick with comedy. I think. Um, okay. I- I'm going to stick with comedy. This is the first. This is the only film I watched this uh, this week that I haven't seen before, okay. um, and it is t- from 2020. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to get it in because I, I, to be honest with you, Conrad, I think because of this whole global pandemic, I'm going to have a real hole in my uh, movie knowledge from this last 12 months. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I've, do you know what I mean? Whereas it's really usually... hard to follow. Like I, I, I find it's really hard to follow like what's coming out anymore because yeah. cinema releases aren't a thing really exactly yeah whereas Ema and i would have would have went to the cinema once or twice a week and that's like that's like at least 52 films a year we'd be watching whereas now it's you know if i see a new film from this year it's real it's a real rarity for me to be honest with you um so it was 2020s (sighs) 
I can't wait to tell you what this is. 2020's My Spy, st- starring Dave Bautista. Uh, this isn't what I thought you were going to say, but I, I've not seen this, but I've actually heard it's quite good. Uh, so, okay, so I... I, I... I'm going through a whole process in my mind, uh, Conrad, with, with the with the culture cave and with the way I review th- things. Yeah. Because I I genuinely can see the good stuff in most things I watch. Like, there's nothing you watch that's valueless, right? Yeah. So I have to really rein myself in when talking about a film like this. Okay. Because I genuinely really enjoyed it. I genuinely really enjoyed it. Having said that, is it doing anything new? No. Is it doing anything impressive? No. Is it good fun? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the the I was looking up the IMDb like user reviews, and someone gave it five out of ten, and they said this. I couldn't agree with this more, right? Yeah. I, I, I'll buy the book. Super spy meets little girl with hot mum movie. Oh, classic. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. So um, basically, yeah, basically the film. And it's also directed by a Naked Gun thirty three and a third I director, I Peter Siegel. I thought yeah. that I thought the Zucker brothers directed all of the Naked Gun movies, but apparently, yeah, Peter Siegel took the helm for the third one. And I mean, I like Naked Gun. I like talking about Fred Ward uh, last week or <laughs> week before in our monster movies. Fred Fred Ward was the bad guy in Naked Gun thirty three and a third. So you know, yeah, you've got a you've got a benchmark for quality there. And he also. I'm going to admit this to, to our listeners. He directed Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, which I think is quite a funny movie. Yeah, it is, it is funny. It is funny. Yeah, like, I know um, that's probably not a popular not a popular opinion these days. That was before Eddie Murphy uh, dropped off a cliff. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically the story of this film, My Spy, is a story of like a super spy who is, is a former army veteran yeah. who works for the CIA and he's put into a uh, sort of surveillance uh, role where he has to, he has to look look after um into a surveillance role where he has to sort of basically just spy on this woman and her daughter because okay. the the woman's uh, ex-partner is involved in something right so that's okay. it's that sort it's that sort of thing now unbeknownst to him the little girl that in the fa- in the family who is played by Chloe Coleman and she is absolutely brilliant these type of films really are contingent on how good your yeah, child actor abso- is absolutely yeah yeah how good your child actor is and the second thing is the chemistry between the lead and the child actor yeah um, and i and i i bet dave batista plays a badass with a heart of gold like no other <laughs> Uh, i tell you what i started watching this i said to him i think i'll watch this because i want to see if dave can actually be a leading man yeah and the thing is i don't know if i'm sold on that but he did a good job he did he he didn't he didn't lose me you know what i mean he did a good job i think i've seen him as a lead in anything i I don't think i have um he's always been like he's always like he's been good as like a character actor from what i've seen of him he's he's in a film with kamal nunjiani isn't he uh, I think he's. I didn't see that one either, though. But uh, he is. He is in a film. But anyway, anyway. But uh, it all is based and hinges around this relationship, and it is one that worked. And I think it worked because of how good this young actress is. She's really good. Really, yeah. I don't know. Just she seemed to like the, like the character. The character's really switched on. Like the thing is that that uh, Dave Batista's character, who's called JJ, didn't realize is that. She they put cameras in the in the apartment and straight away she found them all and they and she like and she just took out the chip from the camera uh-huh. read the serial number typed it in Google found out what it was and then was able to go into her she was like all right well they're spying on us clearly they're de- they're connected to the Wi-Fi so she went and found out from the Wi-Fi where they were nice <laughs> so then she just shows up at their door and goes 
with her, she's filming them with her camera, sinking it to the cloud. She goes, "What's going on here?" <laughs> I bet I bet Dave wasn't happy about that one. Excuse me, JJ wasn't happy about that one. Of oh, JJ wasn't happy. That's 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 the thing is that she then started getting JJ to have to, like he would say, "No, oh, you have to do this for me. You know, you have to come down to the park uh, and like take me ice skating because uh, I have to go and hang out with Classic. the popular girls." So because she had this over him, like he he all of a sudden became involved in her life, um, and it. As, this, as the person I am to be said, it is the typical by the book yeah. Super Spy meets Little Girl you movie. Know exactly what plot beats you're getting out of this movie. Like there's it, gonna there's gonna be an argument. I'm gonna say about 50 minutes in, where one of those two walks away from the action, and then they have to come back again like 20 minutes later to save the day. Yeah, and I like the lead that Dave is in terms of his CIA style. It's full of cliche. It's it's full of tropes. There's nothing new going on, but I will say I like his style. Like at the start of the film, it's it's really some of that Naked Gun 30, 33 and a third coming into it actually. Because at the start of the film, he's like uh, he's undercover as like a Russian and he's putting on a Russian accent, oh, and, and and like all of like the CIA operatives, including Kristen Schaal, who's in this as well. Great bit of comic relief in a comedy film, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but they're hanging around and they're sort of, and they're like, oh my god! And 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 the and the terrorist is like that Russian accent is terrible. You're a spy, and he's like, no, I'm not. That's not a spy, right? And then they're all sitting. They go, oh my god, he's rumbled. Oh my god, he's rumbled, right? And they're like, no, he's not. He's gonna be good. And then it goes back to him, and Dave Bautista just goes, all right, you got me. He's in the middle of like twenty terrorists, <laughs> and he's just like, "You got me. Oh, I'm getting used to this spy stuff, right?" And then he, and then he goes, uh, "He goes, you know." But the thing is, uh, I could kick your ass, and they're all like, oh, okay. all of them start laughing, and he just takes a gu- he takes a gun out, shoots a, a a tank which explodes, takes out two grenades, throws them at two cars, blow, and he's killed everyone okay. within ten seconds, right? So he's not he's not a traditional spy. He's, a... he's no, he's not a traditional. He's a do things. He's a do things his own way type, type guy. But I will also say, like I, I could talk about this film all day because it's it's the exact sort of film that really gets me out of bed because it's it's literally it's not. It's not taking itself seriously in the, in a different way than the one you the, the one the one uh, you were talking about. What's that yeah. one called again? Uh, the, chopping uh, mall. Chopping mall. It's it's <laughs> not the same type of not taking itself seriously. It is leading into trope so and it's leading into cliche. But I will say it has the best. <laughs> how absurd is this? It has the best reference to Notting Hill I've ever seen in a film. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's not the movie. I thought you were going to mention that. Like, what what reference does it does it hit at the start when he's doing the literally right at the start of the film right. When he's doing his Russian accent, the terrorist has a gun on him, right? And he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, you're a spy. You're a spy. And he goes, I'm just a guy standing in front of another guy asking <laughs> not, not to shoot him. <laughs> what a, that's a strange cut. Yeah. For, for like, to reference a, a, a romantic comedy, a British romantic comedy from 20 years ago. But la- they, they, they knew people wouldn't get it. So later in the film... Dave, but he's just sitting watching Donning Hill, and that moment's on the screen. Oh, okay, great. There you go. That moment. <laughs> if you have to put in another moment in your story to explain the joke or the reference yeah, you made, yeah. maybe it shouldn't have been. You but, can imagine um, like that. That they've shot the thing. They're like, oh, that's gold. And then the producers are like, you've got to explain. Yeah, that. what? What? No one knows what Notting Hill is anymore. Like the kids aren't watching Richard Curtis movies. Yeah, I, I will say one thing I noticed, and, and you know, we're not gonna we'll not dwell on this, but one thing I really noticed is that I really like the way that Hollywood's going in terms of the uh, the inclusivity and the casting as well as everything else. Because let me say, this is the type of film uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, everyone would be white, 
and there would be like one black character who would be the comic like the real like over the top comic relief that's that's what that's where it would have been yeah in this film it's kind of the opposite christian charles is the only really prominent there all the time character who's white and she's sort of the buffoon but not really she has a heart as well but she is and every other character is is you know is from a different ethnicity and i yeah. i thought to myself i didn't realize that until like two-thirds through and i was like well this is how far we've come i'm loving it you know yeah i mean and these are like you know they're, they're not necessarily like the best roles but there's absolutely no reason why ba- mm-hmm. like I, I, it's a common argument i see that um you know people should be writing like really good uh roles for non non-white actors it's like that standard doesn't apply for white white actors you can be in any old shit as a white actor and that yeah. and i think you know this proves that point to a certain extent like you know they need- also it's 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 even more important in a film like this because this is the type of film which young impressionable people are going to be watching yep, absolutely yeah well mm-hmm. that's really cool and and um interestingly enough uh chloe coleman is uh, in the Avatar sequel, which will come out at some point in the I, next twenty years, apparently. I did see that, and I was wondering if that was sort of a, if that was sort of like a, what James Cameron did with Sam Worthington, where he cast him. Because obviously, I can imagine Chloe Coleman was cast in Avatar two like seven years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, remember Sam Worthington was cast in Avatar, and then whenever everyone heard, "Geez, this guy's going to be an Avatar. He's never been in anything before," and then he started getting signed up by everything. Yeah, and, and then Avatar came out. Yeah, Avatar <laughs> came out and like he got away with it in Avatar because it's set so far in the future. It's 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 possible I, that he would have a he would have a mixed a- accent. He would have a mixed I, accent. He he was in he was in he did the voice work in one of the um, Call of Duty games, and he was also in that Terminator uh, movie with Christian Bale, Salvation, I think that one was called. And he was awful in both. And like he's one of those characters or one of those actors who should just never be allowed to even attempt an American accent because he's so yeah. obviously Australian. I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say Dave Bautista would do a better job at an Australian accent that uh, then Sam Worthington does it an American. Yeah, I think so. I, I'll be interested to see what happens with Sam Worthington in those Avatar films because I feel like James Cameron or Jim Cameron might have uh, hitched himself to the wrong horse. With, <laughs> <laughs> with, yeah. with, with, uh, with at least his thing. face, his face won't be in it anymore. At least be, uh, they'll a... do a they'll do a Poochie needed to go back to his home planet. Ten minutes into that movie and replace uh, him with like Timothy Chalamet or like someone else who people actually like. Um, Jake Sully. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's cool though. That 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 sounds like a good movie. My Spy. You know what you're getting, uh, and and what you're getting sounds like it's pretty pretty decent, which is all you can ask for in these trying yeah. times. That's all um, exactly. Speaking of movies that do the bare minimum in a really really kind of uh, roundabout and uh, and sort of functional way. I watched uh, the first of two movies from 2021 um, on my list, so I'm going to hit you with a double now. Um, this is the better of the two. It's not awful, but it's also about as generic as you could possibly get, and that's... Uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, but it's Rick Roman Waugh, or Waz, uh Greenland, starring Gerard Butler. Um, came out last week on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a disaster movie. It's about a comet hitting the Earth. Uh, it's... When, when you think about... A movie which is essentially about a family trying to get across America or get get north uh, to catch a plane to Greenland, where the last um, remnants of the human race are going to go underground to survive this like extinction level event. It is that movie. It has bits where man is the real monster, uh, and and then it, you know it also has moments where they're running through um, or they're driving through um, like a forest while little bits of the, the the comet rain down on them. It's fine it's not 
too like it, it doesn't do anything particularly particularly interesting gerard butler's quite good in it it's great to see uh the the co-lead uh the the mother in the family they're like estranged but uh it's played by uh marina baccarin who i know from firefly and serenity mm-hmm. um and david denman makes an appearance who um you'll probably know as uh, pam's ex from the u.s uh version of the office um oh he, yeah 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 he, he shows up for uh, as a as a kind of well he shows up as a bad guy i'm not gonna spoil what he does but um it's a kind i don't really like describing movies as this because i feel like it undermines a lot of the hard work that went into making the movie but it is kind of a switch off your brain and be a little bit entertained for an hour and a half kind of movie um there isn't really enough destruction for my money for for what is essentially a disaster movie there's really only one scene where the comets falling directly impacts the um the couple that we are following and Mm. for that reason it lacks any real sort of peril or tension to them right um and also so they start like gerard butler and uh, marina baccarin's characters start estranged and naturally you would expect that to entail um in the movie a arc where he like basically he's cheated on her we find out throughout the movie because their relationship hit the rocks and and but then he and they get selected for this government program that is basically like putting humans into these bunkers um and they get rejected um at the plane because his son has diabetes and it it starts this whole odyssey where they need to get across the country to get to the bunker themselves um and and you would with that knowledge of how the kind of family has broken up you would assume that there would be some kind of arc for his character where he goes through some kind of tribulation and trial to prove that he loves this family and he cares about this family and and i don't want to say the character is like you expect the character to be punished but you expect the character to kind of go through something to get his family there and it's really there really isn't anything like he he gets his arm burnt a bit at one point but he sort of you get to the end of the movie and i'm not going to say what happens at the end of the movie but it's sort of just like okay you you haven't really earned any of this to be honest um you wanted to have a little bit more of tom cruise in war of the worlds uh yeah okay yeah like i mean that's not that's not a, a great disaster movie either but it's probably a little <laughs> bit better than this one um but i mean with that said it's one of butler's better recent movies which i know is not saying that much um but it's it, it's passable it's passable as a as far as modern uh disaster movies go of which there aren't that many good ones i think well i was playing uh video games the other night with my brother and uh he in the background his wife my sister-in-law was watching a film i couldn't i didn't hear what the film was but i explained the plot to me and i said oh is it deep impact and my brother goes no it's not deep impact it was probably this (laughs) it probably was this yeah um it's very similar it's a it's a about a comet or a a sequel i don't know what is the difference you're a science a man of science what's the difference between a comet an asteroid and a meteor that's something that is confined to books Oh, okay, fine. I I was like that. Everyone makes a point be, of calling yeah. this a comet, and I was like, I don't actually know what the difference between those three. I things is. I don't. I to be honest with you, I don't either. I honestly, okay. and I and I've never actually thought about caring. Uh, maybe I find Haley. I don't. I don't think everyone. Would, I think the initial reaction for everyone would be go. It's to do with the size, but I don't think it is. It might be like to do with origin or where they come from or what they orbit. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I feel, I feel like maybe because this seems to be lots of little bits of rock. That like are the size of football stadiums that cause massive impacts, um, and I will That's actually pretty say, big bits of rock. Well, yeah, but we're talking in, in planetary scales here. So nothing, <laughs> yeah. um, but I so maybe that's what a comet is like. Lots of bit, lots of pieces. Um, I pieces will say broken off something. Yeah, the, the the first twenty minutes of this movie 
they do actually get the tension really good like, like, like get the tension really good my words not good today apparently <laughs> They do the tension really well. Um, so it's a shame that the rest of the film doesn't really live up to that. But there's this bit where everyone's gathered around um, the television to watch bits of the comet fall into what they think is going to be the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and then it doesn't fall into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, it hits Tampa. And, everyone, <laughs> and everyone's like, uh, oh. And, and, and all the, I, don't, I wonder if they would do this in real life, actually. But the news crew are like, we're going live now to Tampa. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> It's <laughs> like on fire, just like the city is just gone. Um, oh, they would. Based, yeah, the news would definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, was there? Was there? Was it put across like there was real? I was talking about to Ibra about this the other day. Actually, this is on on topic. News anchors. If you're a news anchor, how many times a week do you think you'll get the call from a film studio saying, "Here, could you do this, like, you know, one minute bit for us because we needed it for our film." Yeah, yeah. Like, someone get Wolf Blitzer on the phone to yeah. like in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, yeah. New York I mean, a great burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it this week? Aliens? Okay, fine, I've got it. Like, it's um, there's no, there's sadly I can't remember the name of the actor who does it, but there's sadly no character in this uh, like uh, Jeff Goldblum's boss in Independence Day. That's twice I've mentioned Independence Day in a single podcast. Now it's not even a movie I particularly like. Um, but the, the guy with like the really gravelly voice is like, I need to go and phone my mother. That guy, like, there's yeah. no. Da- there's... His name's. Da- oh no, sorry. I was gonna say his name's David, but no, he keeps going. David, David. That's Goldblum's character. Yeah, I wish, I wish there was a character. <laughs> that, that is exactly what this movie needed. Was just a little bit more levity to it, like because it do- it takes itself so seriously, and it's like you're making a disaster movie, guys. There needs to be a little bit of cheese to this. It's that not... guy. That guy is also uh, the fella from Mrs. Doubtfire who actually makes over <laughs> Robin Williams. Yeah. That's a great voice, but I, I feel like you, you're kind of pigeonholed once you've got a voice like that. You're in the you're in the Bobcat Goldthwait uh, <laughs> like region where you can yeah. only do very very specific roles. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's Green- Greenland. It's fine. Um, it's yeah. I can't really say anything kinder than that about it. It's very generic. It's very by the numbers. It does what it sets out to do pretty competently, but what it sets out to do is pretty unambitious and a little bit boring in parts. But still, you know, it's not it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, Awesome. Speaking of awful things, oh sorry, were you, were you going to add something at the end there? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I'm re- I'm ready for the next. Okay, so another movie from 2021. This is a Swedish movie. I thought, you know what, the, what we're missing is some European cinema on this podcast. So I'm going to go. I saw way. a Swedish movie that came out in 2021 that I wanted to watch and I didn't watch it yet. Maybe okay. it's that. Well, so this is uh, Red Dot. Um, yes, yes, directed by Elaine Darborg and starring uh, I, d- I don't know them off the top of my head Nana Blondell and Anastasia Soulis. Um Okay, so <laughs> okay. this is essentially I know what you did last summer mixed with Deliverance. <laughs> okay, but not but it's not as scary or as interesting as either of those movies, and I don't particularly like either of those movies. <laughs> like so, essentially, um, and I don't mind saying this because it's kind of part of the problem with the movie there's a, a swedish couple they're a little bit the relationship's a little bit on the rocks they decide to get away together to the north of sweden uh they 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 check into their hotel everyone seems a bit weird and racist because the the wife is mixed race i think um mm. and you know they get that kind of like oh we're in the country now vibes like you know no, no one's that friendly here um, big summer um, blowout exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they they announce loudly to the room full of racists that they're going to be spending a night completely isolated camping 
camping further north before going to bed and then they they go camping um having i think they like yeah they like key the car of some people that they that they assume to be the like well, that they know to be racist um as they're going further north uh and then basically push comes to shove and they're hunted across the the northern wilderness of sweden by uh presumably these these kind of racist hillbillies or whatever the swedish equivalent of hillbillies are and it's just like it's so fucking dumb and bad in every way like so i think the writing is poor i don't i i I struggle to criticize the writing of foreign language movies because obviously it could be the fault of the translation so i don't want to completely rake that over the coals but the acting it just never sells anything to me like both of the main lead characters are so thoroughly unlikable that it's like i don't care about either of you and if you die there's a there's a bit where so like during um the preamble which is also way too long like the movie takes like 40 minutes before they actually get to the bit where they're being hunted um that the the we establish early on that the 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 male partner is really into playing the battlefield video game series uh, and that comes back when they're being shot at because uh he he says oh i know what kind of gun it is i know how long it's going to take him to reload between and how many shot like rounds he has in each clip which is a that's really stupid because it's just like you're you playing battlefield does not equip you with that kind with that kind of knowledge check of off, real life guns. Ch- check off's video game knowledge yeah, exactly, never, yeah. never seen it check off check off's video game um <laughs> and and secondly it doesn't even work so it's like <laughs> like he just he just ends up getting shot and it's like what was the point in any of that like there's no point in the the the, the 10 minute scene of him playing a video game to establish that he knows this only for it to not work just cut all of that out of this movie it's so stupid um and 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 there's just like loads of stuff like that in this. There's no tension whatsoever. It doesn't. It's not enough of a horror to be scary. Uh, it's not enough of a thriller to really be thrilling anyway. And and the the, the lead, it, he just. It, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned the Evil Dead remake to you, and how there's mm-hmm. a character in that who takes a ludicrous amount of punishment, and it becomes incredibly funny how yeah. fucked up that character is and is still alive. And this is like the other side of that, where the the the, the male lead it just keeps on getting shot and putting his arm in bear traps and all sorts and and it's not it's not schlocky there's not there's no gore to make it interesting we don't know anything about this character other than he's slightly unlikable so i don't feel any sympathy for him and 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 then there's a big reveal about um two-thirds of the way through the movie as to why they are being hunted and it's like without giving anything away it's not the reason that you thought it was they they've done Mm. something in their past that has inspired this ire but unlike um I know what you did last summer or something like that, where it's like, right, <clears throat> they hit a guy with a car, bang, there we go, we've established it. Five minutes, that's all you need to establish they've done something. They yeah. spend like half an hour going through what happened and the ramifications of what they did to the to the to the family that they did it to and it, this is coming at like the climax of the movie <laughs> like that we, we've reached the zenith of the movie like the tension is supposed to be at boiling point it isn't at boiling point but it's supposed to be at boiling point and they're like Let's just take a second here, guys. Let's take a half an hour <laughs> sojourn into a into a fucking callback to something you haven't seen. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a, a flashback, and it just completely screws up the pacing of the movie. It's just, it's so badly made. This that's really interesting because it's only eighty six minutes long, so it literally could have just been a short film by the yeah. sounds of it. Like you, you, you. I mean, well, the problem, the the thing I I think that's the the, the really big problem with it. I mean, it's funny actually that it's eighty six minutes long because if you'd have told me this was a three hour movie, I would have believed you. Um, <laughs> is that like the, the the actual the actual kind of core plot points 
are very rote, which is not always a bad thing. You know, it's like something doesn't have to be original to be good. But, you know, couple does something wrong, has a look, has some darkness in their past. They go through a process of being hunted and essentially punished on screen in order to um, make up for this wrongdoing by the end of it. Because through the performances and through uh, and, and through the writing, we have some pathos for them and we are actually wanting them to survive even and because we feel like they've done enough to... Um, to, to, to pay for their sins and i just never felt that with this i was like by the end of it i was like i don't care just everyone die Every, like who who cares about any of these characters um so yeah i i cannot in good conscience recommend this movie it was boring and o- over long despite being under 90 minutes and doing nothing original or interesting as far as i'm concerned Okay, well, maybe I, I will give it a miss then. I, that, that, <laughs> I, I actually, that is on my list. I, I will remove it from there. I, w- I mean, I'd be interested. Maybe you'll feel differently about it. Maybe we can we can do a retrospective and you'll watch it and be like, actually, I loved it. Yeah, I actually loved it. Uh, I will say that before you revealed that possibly the racism wasn't the uh, the issue, um, it's interesting because my mind went to, well, it's nice that they made it realistic because if they by keying the car... If this was if this happened in real life and they keyed the car and then they went and got murdered and killed by this racist mob, could she keyed the car? There would be a lot of people who'd be like, "Actually, um, yeah. that's a criminal offense." <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. they 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 got it. It was all. It doesn't matter why they killed. It's all justified. Yeah. They had it coming to them, you know. Yeah, I I think and I've, I won't get too much into spoiler territory on it, but the fact when it when it's revealed that it's not what you think it is, like by that point in the movie, they have killed people because they believe they are being hunted by them and that's never addressed it's just like and and i feel you, you know how in shit okay, happens so we're like back to the future is one of your favorite movies right i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna reference something in back to the future you know the bit like biff tannen's friends we don't really ever know anything about them but yeah. we're happy to laugh at them when the dump truck full of shit gets gets emptied onto the car because Manure. because yeah. because the movie has done a good job of being like look we're not going to spend a lot of time with these characters but you get the gist of it they're dicks they deserve yeah, this is a bully's gang like, you know. yeah exactly and that's the kind of tone you need to strike if you're going to have your main characters off a bunch of racists who actually turns out aren't doing anything wrong which is essential <laughs> like i mean they were racist they probably deserve to die but if you're gonna t- if you're gonna play the they're racist so we're gonna just gonna kill them off card it needs to be done with at least a little bit of humor tongue in cheek like, tongue in cheek yeah, yeah exactly otherwise it's like that's a bit monstrous what you did there to be <laughs> honest like they weren't i mean they were shitty people but they probably didn't deserve to have their heads beaten in uh, yeah. <laughs> and like and it just it just doesn't get that at all that doesn't match up with sweden's criminal reform system <laughs> <laughs> Swedes, get in touch. Let us know uh, yeah. in the comments below. Um, but yeah, so Red Dot, I I really dislike this movie very, very profoundly. Okay, interesting. Um, good to know. Uh, I'm not going to watch it then. Uh, my last film uh, okay. this week. We don't have to spend too long on it because I think we have referenced it before. But I just I just watched it, so we, we'll talk about it. Uh, sure. And that was Forrest Gump. Ah, oh, Robert Zemeckis. Talk yeah, about just, him again. Well, actually, just talk about Back to the Future. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Forrest Gump is the film that you would think, the fact that I named my second son Forrest, you would think that this would be the ire of my existence because any time someone asks what my son's name is, all they can think of is this film. Uh, but on, on, on the contrary, I actually love this film and I don't think, mm. I, I honestly don't think that, like we didn't name our son after Forrest Gump, but I also don't think that the character of Forrest Gump is someone to be annoyed that people think you did. You know, uh, yeah. yes, he isn't very clever, but he's a man with a lot of heart. And uh, and it's basically, I just love this film. I, I, I mm. love, we talked about it before, this this genre of like sort of a, 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 a fake 
fictional biopic yeah, where yeah. where the person literally seems to live about 84 lives in the one <laughs> yeah. uh, like in this film he you know goes to the vietnam war he plays college football he's a ping pong world champion uh, he like invent he, apple computers or something in this i, I, I can't remember he, invent, what... I, I, he he he's the one who caught the the um the spies going around the watergate uh offices oh, yeah. for, for the, the nixon the nixon thing um he also uh he he also like r- became really famous because he was running around all the time uh, for yeah. like th- ten months straight or something. Uh, he, what else did he do? He keeps he, he's really rich because he created the Bubblegum Shrimp Company. Yeah. Like it's just he so the mu- smiley T-shirts as well. He, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah shit it, happens. T-shirts. Yeah. It's just so much. He, he he spoke at the uh, at the anti-Vietnam War uh, rally or whatever it was. It's just. I absolutely love this film, and it's just, it's one of those films which like doesn't let you doesn't let you sit. No. Actually, I say, I say that There's so much happens in this film, but it still has time to give you those moments with that really really melodic, you know, da 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 da. da. It, re- it it gives you time to sit and reflect at points. Yeah. Not to no. mention, he also uh, taught Elvis how to dance. I don't remember that bit from this, but I believe ver- it's in yeah. there. Yeah, Elvis comes and stays with them, and he teaches. Like he's got, he's still got his braces on when he's a child. Yeah, and he's like waddling about, and that, that's how Elvis dances. So uh, I mean, I, th- I think the thing that I really, I, I admittedly, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but the thing I really like about this movie, and I feel like it's, this is one of those movies that's almost been, it's been parodied and memed to the point where people assume it's kind of a really cheesy movie a lot of the time. I think. And it is to a certain extent, but it's cheesy in a good way. You know, this is yeah. this is kind of like Americana the movie. It's like here's a fifty year slice of of, of notable events in American history mm-hmm. delivered through this man's experiences. And that, that yeah. on its own is an interesting idea. But I think the thing that really made this movie exceptional to me is 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 Tom Hanks bringing so much to the character so that you you know every you're you're rooting for him so much throughout this movie yeah. and and there's such tragedy in his life and the, the, like the fact that he is still so optimistic in the face of all the pain and all the horror that he's seen is is really touching i think i and i i think it's a it, it, it's tom hanks is one of those actors who I I feel like doesn't get that much. He doesn't get talked about as much anymore because he's less of a leading man these days. But there was a stretch there in the mid nineties, but mm-hmm. between this like Green Mile, uh, Road to Petition, um, Castaway, yeah, Castaway, yeah, and and even you know the rom com stuff like Sleepless in Seattle and mm-hmm. um, Lesser You've Got Mail. But um, but where he was just churning out amazing performances, just movie after movie, mm-hmm. and and this this is this is an absolute phenomenal one. I think I I, I really loved this movie. Uh, growing up yeah he's he's so did i and he's he's just like a he's like a puppy dog but that that that, and that like it's that sounds like it's really like that sounds like it's really offensive to people who are not gifted intellectually but it's 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 this character and his personality and the way is i would not be surprised if they said to him play this film as if you're jenny's loyal dog you know what I mean? Like he's so loyal, he's so like so full of um, honesty, and he's stupid is as stupid does, sir. You know, yeah. it's just he's just such a great character. Um, the moment where Lieutenant Dan kicks the women out of the room because they called him stupid, yeah. and like the relationship between those two, it's just ah, uh, just uh, absolutely classic, classic. Yeah, and, and and you know he he just exponentially improves the life of everyone uh, everyone that he that he meets and touches um and it's just a really touching film as a result i i haven't seen it for a long time 
but I loved it um, as a kid growing up. And that this sort of doomed romance with Jenny, or oh, never fails to uh, never fails to bring a tear bring a tear to the eye. Yeah, I know. Every time it cut away to what she was doing in her life, I just was like, "Oh, jeez, come on, Jenny, pull it, pull yourself together." You've she's such, right such, she's such a lost soul, you know. Yeah, she is. Uh, I believe played by Robin Wright as well. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, and I, about- I'm really sorry to Robin Wright. Can I say, everyone, I'm really sorry, Robin Wright, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I can't divorce you in my head from Kevin Spacey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. See, I've, I've got that. You need to go and watch The Princess Bride about a million times like I did when I was a kid because that yeah. will forever be what I say. I, I always associate Robin Wright with that as opposed to Kevin Spacey, thankfully. Yeah, I'm sorry, Robin Wright. <laughs> well, that's. I think that's a lovely a lovely note to end on then because, frankly, I, I didn't want to end on me just railing against a bad Swedish movie. <laughs> and, you know, here we are with a lovely touching Robert Zemeckis joint to, to, to land this metaphorical movie plane. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's going to do it for us this week, which leaves us with one simple question uh, to answer, which is that, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? It has to be Forrest Gump. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid choice. Um, in honour of Chopping Mall, I'm going to go for Robocop, uh, <laughs> because it's another robot cop doing a bad job. Um, thank you for joining <laughs> us this week then, folks. I hope, I hope you've in, have you enjoyed this issue of The Movie Die. I don't, do, don't say that often enough. I hope you've enjoyed it. I really yeah. do. Like it's from the bottom of our heart. We do hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. No. Thank you for coming along with us on 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 this. Uh, I, it's not inaugural. What's the word I'm trying to look for here? These, these early episodes. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, we we've been sitting talking to each other, filming our conversations for years. We may as well start putting them on the internet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we'll put on the back catalogue of us. Just yeah. the, those those videos don't exist, by the way. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't ask for those back catalogues. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So. Um, I, just want to say thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song you can find the links to their stuff down in the uh, description below on YouTube and again it's the Culture Cave on YouTube if you want to check us out we've got lots of interesting stuff there we've got the After Dark podcast where we go through uh, go through TV shows we've got movie reviews all sorts of stuff um, and yeah get involved in the comments share the show with your friends shoot us a like um, but apart from that we will see you same time same place next week and cut <laughs>